Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I hope you feel like you're in presence uh, here today, and I hope you do if you're watching from home or wherever you're watching from right now. You know, that, isn't that one of the great things that you can be in God's presence anywhere in the world? I love that. I love that. Scott and Kelly will remember when we were in Israel together, and sometimes we were in caves, and, uh, and, 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 and right? Caswell's remember that too, right? And, and just wherever you are, God is there. You know, and, and, and in his presence, that's where we belong. You can be in God's presence. So if you're watching from, from your living room, man, God's presence is there. And so you enjoy yourself. I've got, I want to share with you today, this is a, I think that for me, this was an interesting message and to dissect into, uh, Joe. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting revelation from a very short biblical passage that involved a famous biblical character. And uh, however, I've never really heard anything talked about regarding this little bitty passage. I've never heard a message that, that has it even in it before. Uh, I like seeing new things in Scripture. They really speak to me and are very deep. But, but, but the key to understand this little passage, and it, this is a little tiny passage that in order to get the revelation from it, you really got to understand context. Context is key here. Because it's spoken about regarding somebody very famous in the Bible that we know all, all know well, but then it mentions a couple other people. It's, it's just very obscure. But to understand it, man, you've got to have a whole bunch of con- context. In fact, much of what we'll be talking about today is context, but it, it all helps understand. So then it all comes together uh, there. And there's a lot of meat that the Lord was, was showing me and continuing along the way. Okay, so we're going to talk some about Paul the Shaliach. Okay, Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Shaliach. What a complicated guy. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Rabbi Shaul, we read about in the Hadashah, the New Covenant, right? See, man, that, boy, that was one complicated dude. I mean, you talk about all the different things he went through. And we're going to examine just a little bit, Emma, of, of Rabbi Shaul's life so that we understand. I want for you today, as we talk about this, I want for you to begin to uh, learn about and to get into the head of Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Shaliach, the apostle, to understand a little bit about who he was, where he came from, and that's going to better help you understand a little bit of some of the things that he said and some things that happened later and really make you think. And it's, wow, it's, it's a real twist in the whole story. So first, let's go back a little bit when, you, when we're talking about Rabbi Shaul, uh, Paul, and, and let's talk about Shaul's teacher, his religious teacher, because the scriptures tell us who his religious teacher was. 
in this scripture, right? Of course. And, and uh, in fact, we, we know this religious teacher that Paul had. Why? Because he's famous even within traditional Judaism. In fact, he's more famous in traditional Judaism than even is in Christianity. By, by a long shot, he's more famous. He's, he's regarded as one of the greats. In fact, the Talmud reveals that there was a great Jewish sage named Gamaliel or Gamaliel, okay? Uh, the, the Talmud talks all about this guy and talks about him as being a great one. In fact, he, he's known, he's given the title of the prince. He was known as the, as the president of the great Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. The Mishnah also uh, describes him as one of Judaism's greatest teachers. He's also, okay, so, so we know that even amongst the rank of traditional Judaism, of course, that, that Rabbi Shaul, Paul's teacher, his teacher, his religious teacher, growing up and, and learning everything, was one of the greatest teachers in the history of Judaism, Rabbi Gamliel. Okay. And in fact, Rabbi Gamliel uh, is also mentioned multiple times in the Brit Chadashah. In the New Covenant, this, this incredible Jewish sage is mentioned actually multiple times, one speaking very favorably about believers in general, but he's mentioned also in one passage, he's mentioned specifically as being the teacher of Saul, uh, also known as Paul. Now you stop for a second, think about that, and you say, wow, that's amazing. I mean, here's somebody who uh, really in his generation, in his century, and in, in the, the millennia, uh, is known as one of the greatest Jewish teachers ever. Scriptures tell us that he was a teacher of Paul. Man, that's amazing. You're talking about some heritage. This guy had some heritage. He had some serious education. And Rabbi Shaul, therefore, it should be no surprise, was an expert in the Torah. He was an expert, and he was very zealous for the Torah, which would not come as no surprise, being a disciple of Gamaliel, okay? And here, in Acts 22, if you want to go ahead and turn to it, here Paul is describing himself while speaking to his Jewish people in Jerusalem. So he's talking, he's going to be talking about himself while talking to the Jewish people in Jerusalem. And here's what he says in Acts chapter 22, starting in verse 2. When they heard that Paul was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even more quiet. Okay, they say, this, this guy's got some good here. Okay, then Paul, he said, I am a Jewish man born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, that's Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, trained strictly according to the Torah of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. <laughs> Very interesting. Pretty intense. Paul's given us a little bit of a bio, a little bit of a history about him, a little background, right, Donna? It's good to see you on a Friday night. It's a little unusual. It's so nice to have you here. Uh, and it's, he's given us a little bio of himself and telling us a little bit about himself, right? And, and it tells us that Paul was an important part of the religious establishment, Big time kind of way. He, he was right in the center of the religious Jewish establishment of that day. And in fact, in a different passage, it says explicitly that the high priest knew Saul well. He knew him well and his efforts well, the high priest. 
Okay, because he was so passionate, you have to understand, this helps you understand Paul a lot better if you understand his upbringing. He was, he was raised in the most passionate, most zealous religious uh, zealousness of the Torah and of the word of God and of Judaism, and he was taught by Gamaliel. And, and so this all plays into everything that was happening in his life because he was so passionate about the Torah that he knew that if there was a false Messiah, you know, throughout history, there have been so many false messiahs. If you study Jewish history, there are many Jewish people who have claimed to be the Messiah or have been proclaimed to be the Messiah and ended up, of course, not being the Messiah. Even one very recently that is still followed by many, many tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of Jewish people uh, in Israel and in America even today. Okay, so, so he knew, Paul knew that a false messiah was dangerous to the Jewish people and to the religious establishment. So he took on with ambition the task of persecuting the Messianic Jews of the day. He persecuted them. He was a leader within the Pharisaic community. Okay, and so he persecuted, but it helps you understand a little bit more as to why and the background that he had as to why he would be so persecuting of, uh, of the Jewish people of that day. Now, continuing in this passage, he talks explicitly about how he brought persecution upon the Messianic Jewish community, the group of, of believers who were in that day, uh, at, at which at the time, by the way, were also called the way. Uh, believers at that time the Messianic Jewish movement, you could call it, because at that time, when, when he's speaking about in past since when he was persecuting the Jewish community, the, the believing community was pretty much exclusively Jewish at that time. This was after Yeshua's death and resurrection and ascension. But the Gentiles had not begun to come into the faith yet, okay? And so, and so the believing community, of course, they were not called Christians at the time. They were called followers of the way. That's how they were known, followers of the way. In Hebrew, Haderic. It's interesting, Haderach, the way, followers of the way. That's the way the early believers were called. So it's an interesting thing to think about. That's, that's how they were identified. Uh, if you go to Israel today, one of the things I love is there's a congregation up in Carmiel, and, uh, and uh, that's like uh, near the Sea of Galilee, not far. And the name of the congregation is Kahilat HaKarmel, uh, or, or not, not Kahilat HaKarmel, that's up in uh, Mount Carmel. It's Kahilat Haderach, okay? Uh, congregation of the way. I love that. It's, isn't that neat? In Israel, being known as the congregation of the way, it goes back. It's a real tie-in. Okay, and so, so let's examine what Paul says that he did to this group of uh, uh, Yehudim Meshachim, this group of Messianic Jews who are followers of the way, okay, the, the believers. Here's what he says he did. Acts chapter 22, starting in verse 4, or continuing in verse 4, it says, I, I persecuted this way, meaning the, the early believers, to the death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prisons. As the Kohen Gadol, that's the high priest, and all of the councils of elders can testify about me, I also received letters from them to the brothers, and I went to Damascus to bring back to Jerusalem even those who were there in chains to be punished. Wow, that's deep, man. Whoo, boy. Uh, he, he was intense. So this was a man who was an important part of the religious establishment within 
the, the traditional world. Now, why did he fight so hard against Yeshua and his followers? Context, again, is very important here. Well, I've talked about it some. Because before he had an experience and discovered that Yeshua was the Messiah, he was just trying to follow Torah. This is what he was trying to do, was to follow Torah. And, and, and in doing so, uh, we read in the book of Deuteronomy, you can turn to Deuteronomy 18. In the book of Deuteronomy, in the Torah, we had the Torah scrolls here, beautifully uh, uh, in, the, in the ark there. God, God spoke through Moses about the coming Messiah. So there are many, many prophecies, as you know well, in the Torah and in the Tanakh about the Messiah who is to come. But here we have one specifically from the Torah that talks about the Messiah who is to come, and, and it's given uh, through Moses. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 18, in verse 15, it says this, Adonai, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brothers. To him you must listen. Okay, so we see there, and I put a pause button for just a moment. So we see here that God is speaking through Moses and saying, there will, remember Moses is talked about in Judaism as being the, the greatest prophet, okay? That's part of the, the 13 principles of faith, uh, Maimonides, okay, the Rambam, okay? But we see here that Moses himself is saying that there will arise a prophet like Moses from amongst your midst, okay? So a Jewish prophet's gonna rise. To him you must listen, which by the way, is a incredible total separate message, is a, is a shadow and a prophecy regarding what God the Father said, Yeshua, when he was being water immersed. This is my son, Listen to him. You see, it's, this, this came from Deuteronomy. It's a side note. Bon that's bonus material for you, y'all. You didn't even pay for that. You came here, you got a bonus prophecy out of that. Pretty good here. I mean, okay, skipping down to verse 20. <laughs> but there's a warning about the Messiah who is to come, a warning about people who would come. Listen to this. Verse 20 says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet will die. Okay, so there's, there's a warning here. That, okay, there's a prophet that's gonna rise like, like Moses. Okay, so a great prophet is gonna rise. Listen to him. Listen to what he says. It's talking about the Messiah. It's a prophecy about the Messiah to come. But then it says just a few verses later, watch out now, because some people are gonna be coming and they're gonna be given false stuff don't listen, you know, they're, they're going to die. Okay, and the, being, that, being that Paul did not believe that Yeshua was the Messiah, since he believed that Yeshua was not the Messiah at first, right, he's, he's looking at this Torah, and he's looking at what it says, and therefore he fought the Messianic Jewish community hard, and he persecuted it. He persecuted it. Why? Because he thought that he was doing right by God and, tr and traditional Judaism, if you will. Why? Because the, the Torah says if, 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 if they're not the right one, you got to really resist it. Don't, don't, don't listen to this. It's going to be bad. He's going to die. Okay, and we know Yeshua died. Of course, we know Yeshua rose from the dead, right? But Paul was not a believer at that time. And so things added up to him. And then he saw this sect of Judaism that was going off in this kind of tangent Towards, the, towards this Yeshua, and he's like, hold on, no, 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 no. And he didn't understand the, the, the fullness of the Messianic prophecies, uh, and, and he was just looking at the prophecies regarding uh, the Messiah being a conqueror, and, and, 
And, and so he didn't look that he was to, that the Messiah was to bring inner peace. He was looking at the external peace, right? Yeshua came to bring inner peace. That's why he came the first time. Next time he comes, it's a totally different story, right? That's how it happened. But you can see, though, why he would be so mm, against the Messianic Jewish body. And, and by the way, as a side note, this relates to today. There, there are plenty of people in traditional Judaism who are hardcore against Messianic Judaism. It's not the majority. I mean, you, you got a lot of Jewish people who are very secular. And for them, it's like, eh, whatever. If it's nice for you, enjoy yourself, you know? <laughs> right? Okay. And that's, that's all well and good, but, uh, but it's not well. Okay. But the point is, is that, but the point is there are some who are just like really uh, zealous, right? And, and, they, and they come hard against Messianic Judaism. But, you know, instead of looking at them with, with, with anger and judgment and, and finger pointing at them, we have to understand that they just don't see the full picture yet, y'all. We have to understand that they don't see the full picture that Yeshua is the Messiah. And so what they, they think they're trying to do is to protect what God commanded in the scripture. It gives you a different perspective on even persecution we get today. Uh, when we look at Rabbi Shaul. But you see, something very interesting happened to Rabbi Shaul that, wait for it, changed his mind. Ooh, that was fun right there. Ooh, that was fun. I'm a little dizzy. A little dizzy. <laughs> it changed his mind, okay? Something supernatural happened to Saul. And this is instructive, and there's a lesson in here for you and for me. Acts chapter 9, please. Let's read just a little bit of what happened to Paul, to Rabbi Shaul. It's very interesting. Whoa, this is pretty heavy duty, y'all. Get ready. It's one of these stories. It's like, whoa. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. So here he comes. Here's Saul. Remember, he was, he was heading to Damascus, and he was headed to, to put some persecution on the Jewish believers there. Verse 1. Now Saul was still breathing out threats and murder against the Lord's disciples. Saul went to the Kohen Gadol. He went to the high priest. And he requested letters of introduction from him to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Wow, okay, so he was coming and he was going to, to take care of some business, okay, over there. He, he was going to, to, you know, create some, some issues with the Messianic Jewish community up in Damascus. Verse 3, something happened, something happened. As he was traveling, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Ooh. Oh, I get chills, Jack. Woo. I get chills just when I, when I say that. I mean, that's intense. You have that experience. Woo. Now, we're going to get back to this story in just a second because it's an amazing story. But I want to pause for just a moment uh, if, if you don't mind, if you're all willing, I'm going to give you a little mini teaching within the teaching. Is that okay? Okay, good, good. Okay. So I want to debunk right now a teaching that you'll hear sometimes, which has a definitive anti-Semitic overtone. 
take care and, and note and listen, and you'll hear this sometimes, you'll hear people say this, who don't have an understanding. And sometimes people teach it and don't even realize that the teaching in and of itself is anti-Semitic in, in overtones, and I'll explain. Some people will say erroneously, oh, God changed Saul's name to Paul at his conversion to Christianity. Okay, now, <laughs> okay, some of you understand, okay, but, 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 but listen, some of you may understand, but most, most people probably don't understand any, have any issues with that and don't understand the nature of that comment that people would make. There's so many things wrong with that statement, though. Okay, first of all, and of course, perhaps obviously, Paul did not change religions. I, I, I assume you all know that. He didn't convert to a different religion, if you will. He didn't change religions, right? Uh, and, and, and see, the word convert is very loaded. He was, Paul was a religious Torah-following Jewish man who was looking for the promised Jewish Messiah before that moment. And at that moment, he would become a religious Torah-following Jewish man who found the promised Jewish Messiah after this moment. I mean, I mean, that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. But there's this whole misconception, if I could put it this way, and, and just so that you understand the subtlety of the anti-Semitism that's involved with saying something like this, is that this whole misconception of Christ changing Saul's name to Paul implies that he changed from to, from being Jewish to being a Christian or something else. It also gives the perception, it also gives the subtle perception, and you see this in 2,000 years of, of systematic Christian anti-Semitism, sadly. Uh, it also gives the perception of Saul, the Jewish persecutor, changed to St. Paul the Christian. Yeah, you see that, don't you? It implicitly implies that Paul was commanded to give up his Jewishness. And all this is straight baloney. Food always makes it into my sermon. <laughs> Mark knows that, right? This Mark's my brother with food. I mean, we're food people. That's right. I mean, I don't know if I'd call us foodies. Foodies is too high of, you know, foodies are people like, well, I think that I like a little bit of the, of some great poupon, please, you know? <laughs> I don't know if we're foodies. We're, we're just food eaters. Yeah, eaters. Yeah. Uh, I love Lebanon bologna, by the way. I, you know, I mentioned that every few weeks. I love Lebanon bologna. Man, that is some good stuff. You go to Kroger or Publix in the deli and ask them to slice you a little Lebanon bologna, you will thank me. We're going to get some donors to Beth Hillel who are watching because you're going to try Lebanon bologna and you're going to say, I got to give thanks to the Lord. <laughs> I, I go sometimes go to the grocery store and I, and I go up there and I said, ooh, I, I don't get out to the grocery store as often, you know, with the pandemic and stuff, but I get out there and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have some of that Lebanon bologna. And I asked the, the guy behind the counter, you ever had that? And he, he looked at me and he's like, ah, you're the Lebanon bologna guy. I said, yeah, that's me. Uh, I love it. I'm a baloney guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's 
It's funny. Some people think, oh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a Middle East thing, Lebanon baloney. It's like, no, this is from Lebanon, Pennsylvania. It's Pennsylvania Dutch stuff. I don't know. Anyway, doesn't have anything to do with the message. Thank you very much. I wish my lovely wife could edit that, but that's okay. Saul's name was never changed to Paul. Look, look in the Bible, you'll never see it. As you may know, Shaul, and I'll explain why and how this works. As you may know, Shaul, which is Paul, uh, which is Saul in Hebrew. Saul in Hebrew is Shaul, okay? Shaul was a Roman citizen. We read that in a number of places. And he had both a Hebrew name and a Roman name. And, and this was very common at the time. Saul or Shaul was his Hebrew name, and Paul was his Roman name. And this is much the same today. Many Jewish families still today give their children Hebrew names that are not necessarily the same as their English names. I'll give you a random example. Hey, Baruch. Yeah, you see, we have Baruch here. There's Baruch. I see him. He's our cantor. Baruch ben Zvi. Remember, our cantor is up here, and his name is Baruch ben Zvi. In fact, in fact, if I remember correctly, your kippah, right? Am I right? Are you wearing it? Okay, your kippah actually, does it say Baruch? Okay, your, your kippah is from your bar mitzvah, right? Okay, so, so our cantor today, his name is Baruch, and, uh, and from his bar mitzvah, he got a kippah or a yarmulke, and it says on it Baruch. Baruch ben Tzvi. Ben means son of. Tzvi is his father's Hebrew name. Okay, so he was given the Hebrew name Baruch. But none of us here call him Baruch. No, we call him Bruce. <laughs> or whatever Brooklyn accent you want to use when you say Bruce. <laughs> Am I right, Bruce? Okay. okay. Now I'm talking, he said. We're having a good time today. I knew this was going to be a good service. I knew this was going to be good. Okay, so this guy, he's both. He's Bruce and he's Baruch. You understand, right? This was the same with Paul and Saul. Uh, not quite the same, but it's similar to, in fact, it's similar to how Messiah, Messiah's name is Yeshua, of course. That's the name he was given when he was here on this earth. If you would actually, on this planet at the time, and somebody said his name, you would have heard it as Yeshua, okay, right? But in the United States, people call him Jesus, same person, but people typically use the English name when speaking to Gentiles in America, right? You know, if, if you go to a church or something and we're talking about the Messiah, typically you'll hear the name Jesus, okay? That, that's completely understandable. Similarly, my friends, most of Rabbi Shaul's ministry was among the Gentiles, and most commonly it was in the diaspora, Okay, most commonly it was not in Israel that he was going out to, the Roman world, if you will. So we see a transition to him more frequently being called Paul in the scriptures. But Romans chapter 13 explicitly says Saul is also called Paul. It actually says that Saul is also called Paul. It tells us that. So he was called Saul by some. And he, in fact, he was called, just, just to be clear on it, he was called Saul by some even after he'd become a Messianic Jew. And we also see in this passage from Acts 9 that he was also called Saul by God himself. Saul, Saul. Okay, so, so I think when we get to heaven, you're going to be asking for Saul or, or really probably Shaul because that's the Hebrew way to say Saul. Okay, it's kind of a, is that interesting to you? Yeah. 
Now, why is this important? It's important because some try to disconnect Paul from his Jewishness. It's subtly anti-Semitic, and it's important that you understand this. Because whether you call him Saul or Paul, either way, he's a Jew's Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees after he's a believer and continue to follow the Torah within his beliefs of Yeshua as the Messiah. Does that make sense? It's kind of neat. It's kind of neat to understand. But boy, you can see how this subtlety works its way in. Okay, now let's get back to our story here. The teaching within a teaching has completed. (laughs) Now the teaching. (laughs) Let's get back to this story here. Shaul is going to Damascus, right, to further bring that persecution among the believing Jewish community. So he's on his way, and then he has this experience with God. Let's back up a second and review it and hear what the response is. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse, we'll bring it back to verse 3. As he was traveling, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Yeshua, whom you are persecuting. Man, Steve, I have chills, chills when I read that. Ooh, that's, that's frightening to, to, to have an experience like that, some supernatural light come down from heaven and uh, on his horse on the way to, to Damascus to, to persecute the believers. And, and the light comes and God speaks to him from, from up above and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? You see, that also shows that, that Saul did not, he legitimately did not realize that Yeshua was the Messiah. Who, who are you, Lord, he says. And then he tells him, I am Yeshua, whom you are persecuting. My goodness. Wow. So Paul has a supernatural encounter with Yeshua, the Messiah himself, at that moment. And recall that by this time, Yeshua had already died, resurrected, uh, resurrected and ascended into heaven. But he called out to Saul. And we continue to read how Saul knew by this that Yeshua was indeed the promised Jewish Messiah. Now, that was a pretty good hint. You know, a lot of times it's like, you know, hey, listen, read Isaiah 53, read Deuteronomy, read Joel. You know, there's there so many prophecies about Yeshua. We got a whole sheet in our, in our lobby there, a list of prophecies in the Tanakh that prophesy about Yeshua being the Messiah. I mean, that's great. That's, you know, or people t- tell their stories. And, but man, Paul had it a different uh, style, man. It was like God himself knocked him off his horse with a bright light and told him, it's me, Yeshua, okay. That would probably convince almost anybody, right? And sure, sure enough, it did, and, and he realized that. And so then he quickly followed the Lord and, and nearly immediately, remember, because he was so zealous. And the moment, think about this, it's gonna make sense. The moment that Shaul realized that Yeshua was the promised Jewish Messiah, he changed immediately. Why? Because all of his training came into, into, into work, right? It came into play at that point. And him realizing that, hold on, if Yeshua is the Jewish Messiah, then man, what I've been doing is wrong, and, and i got to change this, and i got to tell people, because the Messiah has come. It changed everything immediately, like that quick, because he was so knowledgeable. 
And so he quickly followed the Lord and nearly immediately began sharing with others about the truth of Yeshua being the Messiah. In fact, the change was so dramatic and so sudden, it's interesting that we read in the scriptures that many in the Messianic Jewish community were afraid to let him in. (laughs) Why? Because the persecution they had suffered at his hands. We're not talking about little persecution. He was there at Stephen's stoning. Scriptures tell us. No, we're talking about serious persecution. And suddenly this guy is saying, hey, I'm a Messianic Jew now. I believe in Yeshua. And they went, whoa. Stay away from us, Paul. <laughs> I mean, they... The scriptures tell us that they, they, rejected, they rejected him at first. They were like afraid. They were literally afraid of this guy because he was the, the great persecutor. Uh, now, I, I pause here for a moment, and I want to speak to some of you who were told, maybe some of you watching, who were told that Yeshua is not the Jewish Messiah. Maybe that's how you were raised, kind of heard what you heard. Some who were taught that if some of you may be from a Jewish background who were taught that Jesus is a Gentile Christian God, the very fact that you are watching this right now or sitting here, the very fact that you are watching this right now is in itself a miraculous sign. It may not be a, a, a lightning from heaven, right, with, with an audible voice of God coming down, but it is a big-time sign for what you're hearing, and especially if you believe and feel in your heart that there's truth in it. And much like Shaul, despite what you've heard, Yeshua is indeed the promised Jewish Messiah of Israel and of all mankind. Just like, and you think, well, that's not what I heard. That's not what I heard kind of growing up or through my life or for our Jewish. Well, so did Paul. So did Shaul. But then once he had the realization, wow, his heart was changed. And that really goes for for those of you maybe who come from a non-Jewish background too. Maybe there's some who were raised atheist and just believe there is no God or maybe had had an experience or a bad experience with religion and like turned away and said, "Uh, I don't want any of that stuff. Okay, Just just like for you too, this could be a revelation of truth and you could turn just because you believe something like this even strongly on one side doesn't mean that you can't turn. We just saw that Paul did that. And to a certain extent, my friends, this is all critical context to understand a very small verse that seems of no importance in the scripture, but one that actually reveals something of great significance. And we're going to read, and we're going to read that in just a moment. That kind of was the genesis of this message. And then looking, and as I as I was studying and thinking, how do I convey this? It was like you have to go through Paul first. You got to go through Shaul first to understand. There are actually a couple places in the scriptures where we read some of Paul's relatives. I'm talking about blood relatives. There are a number of places in scripture in the New Covenant, where we read about different relatives of his, his sister in one place, his nephew in another, who helped him uh, when, when he was in prison and such. Okay, but when Shaul is concluding his letter to the Roman congregation in Romans chapter 16, he, he's sending his greetings to many people there. If you have your scripture, you can turn to Romans chapter 16. And this is the last chapter in the book of Romans. And, and, and you understand that we call it the book of Romans, but he didn't write it as a book. He wrote it as a, as a letter. Okay, and, uh, and this is at the end of the letter, the end of Romans chapter 16, and he's, 
the almost really half, half or more of the chapter is him just greeting people because this is the end of a letter that he's sending far away to, to, to people that he knows who are believers of the believing congregation there. And so he's saying, send greetings to this person, send greetings to that person. Oh, Paul said hi, he sent his letter. Oh, great, thank you so much. So it's one greeting after the other of people. And, and, and almost always, y'all, it's never talked about, it's never taught about because it's, okay, what is it? He's greeting people, that's nice, okay? But within this list, we read something of great interest that's rarely noted. Romans chapter 16, verse 7 randomly almost, says this. Paul's talking and he says, greet Andronicus and Junia, my kin and fellow prisoners who were well known among the emissaries. They were in Messiah before me. Now, most scholars think that this man and woman, Andronicus and and Junia, were Paul's cousins. Uh, but were they definitely kin, or did he mean it in the bigger sense? Every once in a while that word is used in the bigger sense of, of just the Jewish people. But no, looking at the Greek, work, the, the Greek word used here, sinyenis, uh, there can be little doubt that these two people, Andronicus and Junia, were blood related to him. So these were blood relatives, perhaps cousins, and most likely these were his cousins. People that were close blood to him, right? But these relatives, though, were of great interest. First, like Rabbi Shaul, they were Yehudi Meshachim. They were Messianic Jews who were believers, and they were fellow prisoners because Paul was frequently in prison for his faith. And and Andronicus and Junia were well-known. There's a man and woman. Some people think, are they they just two, a male and female cousin or husband and wife? Uh, We don't exactly know. Okay, but, but they were related to him, and they were fellow prisoners, and they were well-known among the believers of faith. We know that in Scripture, Andronicus and Junia. They were well-known. And that in and of itself is cool, uh, that, that Paul had these relatives who were also doing the work of the Lord and, and in the body of Messiah, and wow, that's pretty neat in and of itself. But Paul reveals something very interesting. He reveals that they were in Messiah before him before him they were believers before he was now whereas that may not seem so shocking stop for just a moment and think about the ramifications of this because there's actually a lot of depth to it they were believers they were already believers when their cousin paul was actively seeking to persecute in the most severe of ways, those who were following Yeshua at the time. So think for a moment how they must have felt. They were well-known, Paul tells us, they were well-known amongst the early leaders of the faith. So they were clearly tzadikim. So surely they had to be torn up and they were surely earnestly praying for Paul. They probably grew up knowing Paul well. They grew up knowing Shaul and seeing his training with Gamaliel. And trust me, everybody in, in Shaul and Saul's family knew that Saul was all that because he was incredibly brilliant. And he was trained at the foot of the greatest Jewish scholar in the world. So you know everybody knew Saul's exploits. 
and his whole family had to be so proud of him. But then when Yeshua came and, and, and Andronicus and Junia believed in Yeshua, and then Paul came out so hardcore, persecuting so hard, heavily. Oh my gosh, you, you can imagine their feelings. In some ways, a feeling of betrayal of a family member, but also a, a feeling of desperation, thinking, my gosh, he's, Paul certainly knows I'm a believer. Is he going to come after me? Is he going to come after me? But, but it says that they were righteous and they were well known amongst the early believers. So much more likely, they were just praying for him. God, please do something. They were, likely, they were likely grieved that persecution was coming from one of their own family members. But they were surely also lifting him up in prayer. And look what happened. Look what happened. Look what happened. We read what happened. Beloved, listen to me. Don't give up on your relatives. Don't give up on your relatives. Don't give up on those who reject Yeshua merely because they were erroneously taught since they were little that Yeshua is maybe not for the Jewish people or that there is no God or they were taught erroneously in their faith thinking that this is all baloney and, and, and fake, phony, and maybe they were raised in a, and had a bad religious, synagogal, or church experience. Don't give up on those who seem disinterested. There's some people disinterested, right? There are a lot of people who seem like they couldn't care less. Keep praying for them. Sue's one of our prayer leaders. Pray for them, right? We got to keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. I don't care how anti they seem. You got to keep loving them. Loving them. We read elsewhere that other believers, rather other relatives of, of Rabbi Shaul who were believers, but these two in particular, Paul notes, were believers before him. You have to imagine that they might have thought, you have to imagine, Garrett, that they might have thought, of all of our relatives, Saul would be the least likely to become a believer in Yeshua. You got to think that that's what they thought, right? Baruch, Baruch is from a Jewish uh, family in, in Brooklyn, right? I bet, I bet you probably, people wouldn't, wouldn't believe that you would have been passionate about your faith as well and believe that Yeshua was the Messiah, am I right? Yeah, he's nodding his head. Saul, uh, people would think Saul would be the least likely to become a believer in Yeshua, and yet, and yet, and yet, he's one of the most prominent Messianic Jewish rabbis in the history of the world. He's the author of the largest part of the New Covenant. See, in a similar fashion, friends, this isn't just about, it's about a lot of things. In a similar fashion, my friends, don't limit God. Don't limit God in your life. Regarding whatever it is that you have going on, don't limit God. Don't limit what he can do in your life and those around you. See, if you allow God a chance, he will change your life. He will shift your paradigm. He shifted Paul's paradigm in one moment. He can do it for people, and it doesn't even just have to be only about believing that Yeshua is the Messiah. It can be other situations in your life, but it may cost you. Remember that Andronicus and Junia are mentioned as being fellow prisoners. <laughs> oh, joy. So they had to pay the price for their faith. But I'm sure that when we meet Andronicus and Junia in heaven, 
that they will say it was worth it. I'm sure they'll say it was worth it. It was worth it. And you know what? Probably, and also really not just for themselves, but for their relative Paul, Saul, uh, and, and all the work that he did for God. You got to think that in heaven, that when you meet them, they're going to be, oh, I'm Andronicus. You're going to be, okay, well, I'm Kevin. It's nice to meet you. And, and most people just say, oh, wow, Andronicus. That's kind of a cool name. And they won't know, although maybe we'll know all, okay. But, but you don't understand what I'm saying. Like, okay, it's Andronicus. And they'll probably say, yeah, yeah, you know my cousin. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, you know my cousin, uh, Saul. <laughs> yeah, my co- my, my, that's my cousin, man. You know, like the Paul. <laughs> He's my cousin, man. I prayed for him. I prayed for him. Before he came to faith, you're going to be like, whoa, Andronicus. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I got a tiny little mention in the Bible. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty neat. Beloved, when there's a mountain in your life that seems unscalable, when there's a problem in your life that seems unsolvable, when there is a person in your life that seems unreachable. Remember Andronicus and Junia. Be patient. Reach out. Have faith and believe. The title of my message is Andronicus and Junia. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> I want to pray, if you're here today or if you're watching and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, maybe you are, maybe you got a little bit of Paul in you. Maybe you got a little bit of Saul in you. If you're here and you've never said yes, I want to say a prayer. I want to be- profess that Yeshua is the Messiah. I know it to be true. Maybe I didn't have a light shine on me, but I know it's the truth. If you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, but you want to wherever you are, if you're here, lift your hand. If that's you, if you want to say that prayer here today, if that's you, just lift your hand high. If you're watching online, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I humbly come before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Forgive me of my sins, oh God. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. I want to do what's right. Thank you, God, for coming into my heart in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you and celebrate what God has done in your life. And for all the rest of us who are here and if you're watching online, if you've got some, something that seems insurmountable, Here it was, Andronicus and Junia had his cousin that was, he was persecuting him. And it probably seemed absolutely impossible that Saul would would come to faith in Yeshua, and yet he did. If there's something impossible in your life, I want to pray for you very briefly. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, Father in heaven, I pray for each person who's here today or who's watching or who's listening. And I pray, God, for whatever the situations in, in their lives are, Lord, where, where it just seems like something is stacked against them. The odds are really high against something. 
Lord, I pray for miracles. <laughs> what happened to, to Paul was surely, of course, it was miraculous. I pray for miracles in our lives, God, and miracles in the lives of those who are, who are listening right now. Touch, Lord, your children and bring your children to you, Lord. I pray for relatives who don't yet know that Yeshua is the Messiah. Draw them by your Ruach, by your Spirit, and let them see the truth because there's great love and joy in following you. Thank you, God, for all these things. We love you with all of our hearts. We ask these things in the Messiah Yeshua's name. We pray and let us say, Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.